dictates the way you live. So I'm on a crusade to crucify the prosperity gospel. I hate the prosperity gospel. The Bible's not about you. So what is the foundation of your faith? I mean, why do you believe what you believe? The word of the living God. Faith built on emotion is faith built on sand. Jesus said you build on a rock or you don't build. Welcome to the Skeptics Podcast number one. I am your host, Peter Stone. I'm here with Jayla Browning. Hello, everyone. And we are here based out of Centralia, Washington, out of Calvary Chapel. And me and Jaleb, um just kind of had this idea to be starting a podcast for a while now. And we are basically, uh, our podcasts are going to circle around theology, heresy, um, life in general, anything that can just um, be laid um back to biblically anything that just basically i'm um, just having discussions that we filter through scripture um whether it be heresy theology or just life in general so our first topic on our first podcast is theology matters and we figured this was a good place to start um, as it will lay the foundation for all other podcasts moving forward is if you don't have correct theology then everything else just um crumbles you know it's good to have um like what is good theology what is not good theology what difference differentiates sound doctrine from minor doctrinal differences um so what, it, what makes something heresy so um with this podcast we're going to be diving into why theology matters and why studying theology matters so um i'll let Jaleb answer this first one so Jaleb, why does theology matter well, the- theology matters for many reasons. I mean, obviously, theology is to study on God, attributes of God, and all things like that. Um, but we are commanded to uh, learn about God. And um, for prime example, I'll give you um, is in Mark chapter twelve and twenty-nine. Um, they asked him which is the most important commandment, and Jesus answered, and he says. The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. Now, Jesus in the beginning there, he quotes the Shema, the very Jewish thing. They all quote quote that. And you notice he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. That means we are, are told right there. We are supposed to search and study and, you know, um... There's a good passage that says, you know, they, they fell away because they did not know my word. Right. And so we're, we're commanded to learn about God. And we're, we're supposed to desire to learn about God. That's And theology matters because, I mean, I want to know about my creator. I think, yeah. every, I think everybody should know. And a big problem is if we don't have uh, right theology, if we don't study God and who he is, we can come up with a totally different version of Jesus. A different and, version. Can't save. Yeah, exactly. And um, that's what a lot of, I feel like a lot of people, especially in Western um, society, um, they have that wrong Jesus. Uh, we, the church is very much apostate now, it seems like, because yep. we just have the wrong Jesus. It's really becoming, especially in our culture now, within just the past um, decade, it's really become, not just in the church, but everything has become now about how you feel. Uh, it, it's basing everything on feelings, whether it's morality, um, whatever side of the fence you're on, on abortion or homosexuality or the transgender movement, 
it's always about how you feel. And this isn't a discussion to say whether those are right or not, right or wrong. This is not the podcast, or this is not what we're going to discuss in this podcast. But um, it's all about how you feel, right? Usually the people say, oh, I feel like this is wrong, or I feel like this is right, or I... And it's um, basing things off feelings. And it's... When you base things off feelings, then there's no foundation to... Because everybody's feelings are different. And so it's important to filter everything through when you, when you claim to be a Christian to filter everything through the living word of God and so it's just you know it's like having a relationship with somebody and it's like if you have a relationship with a spouse or a significant other but you didn't want to know anything about their character it's like that's not a relationship so it's important to understand Christ and who he is because when you understand his character you understand his attributes you understand what he wants from you what he commands and what he desires and how to live um in a way that's pleasing to God, because how you, what you think theology, what you think theologically will dictate how you live, um, as Vody Bogum once said. It might have even been in our intro, I believe. So, um, moving on to, um, sound doctrine. So it's, um, it, it's, it, it's. We want to make this move from heresy and make this massive migration towards sound doctrine. And you know, sound doctrine is. How, is basically just having a healthy understanding of the deep, essential biblical truths, and you know, like this is this isn't you know to say those are, there are minor doctrinal differences that you know we have in different churches, like you know we have Baptists, we have Presbyterian, we all have these minor doctrinal differences, like on eschatology, things like that. Like those are minor minor doctrinal differences. So it's moving away from that and discovering the deep biblical truths. And before you can understand the deep biblical truths, you need to have the basic biblical truths, right, which is the gospel. And, um, you know, it's like Paul's admonition in Titus 2, it says, you know, teach what is in accordance with sound doctrine. And I believe that's why um, it's really important in Hebrews, when the writer of Hebrews is writing to his audience, and he says that by now you ought to be teachers, but you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. And he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance, faith from dead works, and um, faith towards God. And, you know, repentance... Um, moving on from dead works and faith towards God, you know, that's the gospel. But Paul is, or not Paul, um, we assume the writer of Hebrews is Paul, but we don't actually know who it is. But um, he's saying, like, you need somebody to teach you again these basic principles. You're still stuck on the milk, as the writer says, and you haven't moved on to solid food. And, you know, the solid food is the sound doctrine, is the moving on to the deep biblical tr truths. So we, before we can understand the deep biblical truths, we need to have the basic, which is the gospel. So I think it's important to discuss first what is the gospel and what isn't the gospel. So I know I've been japping for a lot. So um, I'll ask Jaleb this question. So Jaleb, what, um, what is not the gospel? Well, Let's start with that. Well, what is not the gospel? Well, what you were saying earlier, your feelings is not the gospel. Um, that'll be the first thing I'm going to elaborate on. Uh, you know, like you were saying with the whole feelings factor, um, I remember when I first got saved and I came, and came to Christ, um, I would base my walk a lot on feelings. And if I felt right with God during that day, I was like, okay, good, I'm having a good day. Even if I was totally sinning, but I felt right with God. Um, but there'd be days I'm like, well, sometimes I question if God loves me. But that doesn't change his love for me. I mean, you read the word and it says he does love you. And, he, you know, he's our wonderful counselor and all that. Um, so our feelings can't dismiss truth. So first right. thing is, you know, the gospel is not our feelings. 
Um, and what else is not the gospel? Uh, Jesus didn't die for you to have a Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, it is not the prosperity Man. gospel. <laughs> uh, you are not promised health, wealth, and prosperity. Um, when you come to Jesus, uh, the gospel is not you're going to have a better life now. I know that's a very popular thing in Western, like, you're just going to be fulfilled if you come to Jesus. And all. This. And Jesus didn't die for you to be fulfilled. Right. Jesus died for you to be saved from hell, from his wrath. Right. Uh, and I, that's the very Western gospel is... Just come to Jesus to be fulfilled are the very awful, I hate the slogan, try Jesus. Just try Jesus. You know, like he's like a fad, you know, like a 30-day fad. Try Jesus. There was, I remember these commercials. There was those try Jesus, you know, yeah. for 60 days and you won't, you won't leave. It's like 60 days. Well, do you get your money back? If, know. You know, <laughs> you do get your money back if it doesn't work, if you don't feel saved. That's, that's the thing is like people... You're right, that's the gospel people hear, hear is, you know, Jesus wants you to have this or that, or, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life, which, not to say he doesn't, but God's plans are of wonderful, and definition of wonderful is different than ours, are the famous verse that they like to take out of context, which is, um, God came so you can have life and you may have it more abundantly. And the word abundant just means full. You know, you look at the life of Paul, he had, he had a full life, he had a life full of shipwreck, beatings, stonings. And God, that was God's wonderful plan for his life. Look at God's wonderful plan for all the disciples. They were all martyred. <laughs> so, um, and then the other gospel you hear is, you know, oh, Jesus loves you so much, no matter what you're going through, what depression or drug addiction, or sadness, you know, just come into God and he'll fulfill that hole in your heart because you have this God-shaped hole. And just, you know, come to Jesus. Try Jesus, like you said. And it's like, okay, so people come to Jesus and then they realize that they're just as sick or depressed as they were before. And then they leave the faith because this Jesus didn't do anything for them. And they, they came to Jesus not to save them from hell, but they came to Jesus to save them from their depression, which isn't to say that Jesus doesn't care about your depression. He is our wonderful counselor. But everything can be traced back to sin. Like all your depression, all your sadness, sickness, everything can be traced back to sin. And without addressing the sin issue, it's like modern medicine and trying to treat the symptom without, cover, or without treating the disease. You know, and people just treat Christ as their mental health therapist and nothing else. And, you know, the, this culture has made Jesus this this fad, like you said. And it was like, I remember when I was in high school, it was really popular to have these t-shirts that said, Jesus is my homeboy, and things like that. And it's just like, we just made Jesus this trendy thing where we've gotten one side of his character right. Well, yeah, he is our father. He is our wonderful counselor. He is the lamb. He does love us. He is the prince of peace, things like that. But we completely ignore the other half of his character. Like, he is the lamb, yes, but he's also the lion. He's a lion who has teeth. He's not just the Prince of Peace, but he's the King of Kings who's going to come again and rule with the scepter of righteousness. And he's not just, you know, uh, yeah, he's like, anyways, so people just forget this other side of his character where they forget that Jesus is going to come back in wrath and he's going to slaughter his enemies. So it's, um, yeah. Yeah, um, also uh, about the Jesus just loves you where you're at. Um, yes and no. <laughs> I'll say that because uh, if you read uh, Psalms, uh, it says the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked. Yeah, he hates wickedness, and he can't even let it into his sight. You know, um, that's why. Like, I'm a firm believer in God doesn't send people to hell; people send themselves there because they choose sin over the righteousness of Christ, and God cannot let that in his sight. His wrath is against them. 
Yeah. And I, we hear too much, like, you know, the love of God is an amazing thing. It, it truly is. Like, it can transform the wickedest of soul, but um, his wrath is something that we should all fear. And I think we don't grasp on to that. that our God is a scary God. He is. Um, um, yeah. I, I, re- I truly believe, like, that's, that's the thing we've really lost in a lot of churches is that, you know, you get the buddy Christ image, you know, the thumbs up Jesus with a big smile and a perm and blue eyes and a very American Jesus. And, uh, but he's coming back as a conquering king. Yeah. He's coming back with fire in his eyes and a sword and he's going to, his robes, his robe is going to be dripped in blood. He's going to be, and yeah, it's, you know, like it says in Hebrews, and this is God the Father speaking of his son, he says, uh, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And um, so that that's basically, you know, what, not what the gospel is, is not Jesus dying for your sin, or, uh, sorry, Jesus did die for your sin, but it's not Jesus dying for your loneliness, depression. So what is the gospel? And the gospel just means good news. That's all it means. And you can't have the good news without the bad news. And the bad news is, is that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. We've all broken God's laws. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all lusted. Um, and these things separate us from God. And so God, in trying to keep with this character, with sin cannot mix with holiness. We're not allowed in God's presence with sin. So how does God be true to his character of being just but also forgiving? And the way he did that was by dying on the cross for your sins himself. And he took that punishment for you that you should be um, deserving of in hell. And he took that punishment and the wrath of God was poured out, poured out upon his son on that cross. And then we accept that by faith. And then when we stand before God, he doesn't see us as sinners, but he sees us as pure as Christ is because he paid the penalty for us. So that is what the gospel is. And anything that preaches apart from that is heresy, which I know we've been stuck on the gospel here for a sec, but that's really what we want to get into is um, why theology matters. So of course, getting the gospel right. Because if you don't have the gospel right, then the rest of everything you teach is going to be heresy. So as I stated earlier in Hebrews, when he says moving on from milk to solid food, the gospel is the milk. If you, you need to have that right before you can grow in sanctification and before you can grow. So with heresy, um, like, you, like we said earlier, it's anything that departs from biblical truth. So is it even, is it biblical to call it heresy? Because a lot of times people think that like, oh, you should just um, not cast the first stone or you should um, go to them personally. You shouldn't call them out in front of everyone publicly. You should go to them alone. Is it biblical to call out heresy? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, why do you think all the disciples died? Uh, they were calling people to repent, calling out false gods. Um, they were they were offensive. Yeah. Um, uh, they weren't politically correct. They were the epitome of facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that even Paul called out Peter when just his actions were perceived as heresy. You know, when he was choosing to dine, when he's like, oh, I should go down with these people now because he thought, oh, I can't be seen dining with these people. And then Paul saw him and he's like, dude. And he like called him out in front of everyone. And, you know, Peter wasn't a heretic, but Paul saw that. And he saw that his actions were causing other people to follow mm-hmm. him in a wrong way. So he's like, no. Causing division. <laughs> causing division. I mean, I think in Galatians 2, uh, not not chapter 2, but it says... Um, he wanted, told them to cut themselves off, basically castrate themselves. I mean, Paul wasn't holding any punches and, w- right. about heresy. And like so much there, you said, you just, you hear people say, you can't say that. You can't call people out by name. You can't do all that. I'm like, 
Why not? If you read most of what Paul wrote, somewhere in there, he's calling some, something out as heresy. Oh, he did it all the time. And that's, you know, we see that in, uh, in Titus. You know, he calls people out um, by name. He uh, calls them out by name in 2 Timothy. He calls out Demas or Demas. I don't know how to pronounce that name. Also in 2 Timothy 1, um, Phygelus and Hermogenius. <laughs> I'm mortalizing these names. And then other, and also in 1 Timothy, um, Hymenius and Alexander. You know, he's calling these people out by name. And not just that, but he calls them out, but he also describes their teaching. Like with Hymenius and Phileus, he says, men who, do not, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and thus they are upsetting the faith of some. So these people going around saying, like, oh, the resurrection's already taken place. And then Paul's like, oh, no. Uh, like, that's the second resurrection, our resurrection. And then he's, like, telling people, like, this hasn't taken place. You haven't missed it. And he's, you know, describing that he's calling them out by name, and he's describing their teaching. And um, we also see in Romans 16, 17, it says, to mark them who cause division. And the Greek word for mark that they use there is the same word that they used for... Um, scouts back then scouts are sentries that would you know go out above ahead of the rest of the army or whatever and they would scout the city for danger and they'd come back and be like oh yeah this is these are the entry points these are the weak spots these are the guards whatever uh, it, it's that same word used for mark is that is this um, one used for sentry or it's like the same word used for like uh, essentially somebody like who's watching a guard tower at night and they're like not act passively watching but they're actively watching for danger and when they see it they sound the bell the marking danger, the letting everybody know. And that word mark there is also a, a derivative of another word, um, skeptomai, which means skeptics, which is where we get um, our podcast name from, is from Romans 16, 17, which is to, to mark division and to be skeptical of heresy and things like that. So, um, yeah, so it, we do see from um, the Bible it is biblical to just not only call them out, but call them out by name, call out their teaching, and also it says to call them out to avoid them, as it says in Ephesians 5, in 2 Thessalonians and in Titus 3, it all says to call these people out and to avoid them. And the word it uses to avoid is simply shun, like literally shun them. Do not have anything to do with them. So it's um, very interesting that um, people can, because you just read through the New Testament, and it's most of, like a lot of the books are always have something to do with heresy, like, hey, don't listen to this guy. Or, hey, don't worry, uh, it's not by faith. It's Or don't, it's not by works, it's by faith. Because, you know, people were telling them, it's by works. No, that's heresy. Don't worry. Come back to the truth. So Paul was constantly bringing people back to the truth from heresy. So um, it is biblical to call it out and to also do it lovingly. But um, but yeah. Yeah, and what's funny is like Galatians is addressing that almost the whole book. And that was one of the, I think it was like one of the first books Paul wrote, Letter one of the letters Paul wrote Um it was written uh, 50 to 60 A.D. So yeah, that was one of the earliest books. And they're dealing with it already, you know, pretty soon after Jesus died. And so, and like you said, you know, Paul in there directly addresses the whole gospel issue too. And he's like, if you change the gospel in any way, let them be anathema. That's the strongest word he could have used right there. It means under God's curse. Yeah, it means cut off, disowned, yeah. And he takes it a step farther and he says, if I come with a different gospel, let me be anathema. Yeah. So, you know, it's very serious uh, to make sure you got the gospel oh, right. 
politics heresy very seriously. Yeah. And, you know, so like I said, we were called to call them up by name, <laughs> to avoid them, to shun them, and also to try to silence them. Uh, you know, it says in Second John nine eleven, it says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the gospel, do not take them into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him is in his wicked work. In his wicked work. It's, you know, so it, it's, there are wolves among your sheep. You know, I think it was very wise when they when Jesus described them as wolves in sheep's clothing, because a lot of times people think of heresy as something like, oh, that guy's a heretic, it's obvious. You know, they just think of these obvious cult leaders or whatever. But it's not always obvious, because, you know, they're in sheep's clothing. They blend in as one of us. They say the right Christianese words. They may even, you know, have, you know, I visited some of these heretical pastors' websites before, and you, like, go down their, their website at their doctrine of faith. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. And, like, judging from their website, it's like, oh, yeah, these guys are, are Christians. And then maybe you scroll a bit further down the page, and you're like, oh, wait. Or maybe it's not even on their page, but then you start listening to their teaching, and you're like, okay, these guys do not believe what they're stating on their website. So it's um, really just studying the person, what they're saying with the gospel, mm -hmm. with the word, as the Bible says, to test all things. Yeah, and just to uh, clarify on that verse, um, that doesn't mean you can't let anyone who uh, isn't a Christian in your home. Okay, <laughs> a not. lot of people of can uh, misconstrue that and uh, get that. But, um, yeah, so you can let your family members who aren't Christian in your house. Uh, the reason he was saying that is because back then, that, that's where they had church. Yeah. Uh, and they gathered in their houses. So it would be like if a false teacher or someone or a wolf came into your congregation and started trying to mislead people and misteach people. You know, and Matthew 18 goes through that. You got the three steps, confront them, then confront them with a brother, then bring the whole church. And if they yeah. won't repent, they're out. Now, even in Titus, when he's writing to Titus, if you read, um, I think it's in chapter 2, he says, after two warnings, kick them out. After two warnings. So, um, so how do we lovingly tell others about heresy when they're into a specific heretic, for, for instance, or if they're into a specific doctrine, maybe like something like... Um, I bring, I'm just going to bring up the Bethel Reading movement because that's become really big the past, you know, few years or whatever. So if they're involved in a big movement like Bethel Reading or if they're really stuck on a um, heretical teacher, how do you lovingly tell someone who is a believer, um, hey, like this person you're into or this stuff you're going to, or it's heresy. It's not, how do you do that? Oh, um, first of all, if you're going to, talk to someone about Bethel, you better just be prepared because <laughs> um, they, they get upset. They um, that is very much where the feelings come uh, in. Yeah. Where I had somebody block me on Facebook for my views on Bethel. Yeah. I had a friend really freak out on me about Bethel and you know, um, it's, it, I, I get it though at the same time because it, it's hard to hear something that you love is wrong. You know, no one wants, no one wants to hear that. And the best thing you can do is just be a friend to that person, and but be blunt and say, hey, make sure you bring a case, too. Don't just go off, well, I just think this is bad. Don't go off your feelings. Go off the facts that, that you know facts. and bring scripture to back you up. Right. Um, and just point out, like, I mean, if you're going to go against heretics, generally on YouTube, there's tons of videos showing the, her the heresies of right. whatever heretical movement there is. And bring that to them. Say, hey, this is contradicting scripture. I love you. I want you away from this. Please uh, just listen to me. Like, at least give this a try. Like, I'm not doing this to lie to you or hurt you or rob you of joy. This is just 
the truth, and I'm trying to lead you to the truth, and you know, yeah, it, and it it does really suck sometimes because they won't listen and they get angry. Like you know, I had I was called every name under the sun uh, without cursing, but I got called a Pharisee, and I was puffed up with knowledge without. Uh, the spirit of God living in me are a big one. Is why are you putting God in a box? Are this... uh, that's a big one. Is okay. Like, yeah, putting God in a box. It's like okay, if you mean by box, you mean scripture. And God put Himself in a box because God's already defined and revealed what He wants to reveal about Himself in Scripture, like how He wants to be worshipped, how um, just theologically everything, and then everything else is to be a mystery until we are made whole with Him in glory. You know, it's interesting you talk about you know people clap back at you with like calling you a Pharisee or a legalistic. And it's like, okay, you know, a Pharisee is like not even, it's like, that's what Jesus, you know, Jesus called people out Pharisees, obviously, but Jesus did it right. Jesus did it righteously. He showed them where they erred and he used the scriptures or um, the scriptures, what they had back then to point out their error to show that they were Pharisees. For instance, like when the Pharisees came and they were like making a big deal about the disciples not washing their hands and Jesus is like, um, you guys are like Pharisees, like what the heck? Like you're making a big deal about us washing our hands, but yet you guys disown or dishonor your father and mother by giving to the temple when you should have given that to your parents when they asked for it, you know? So like Jesus gave them examples of why they're a Pharisee. He just didn't say, oh, I feel like you guys are wrong, so you're a Pharisee, you know? So it's actually, it's it's what the it's like, it's like what liberals do these days, you know? They, not well, not all liberals, but many liberals, like if you disagree with their thoughts or their feelings, like, oh, well, you're just a intolerant bigot and racist and then it's like okay like i'm really not and that's how i feel like they're doing like they don't have anything to scripturally back them up so they just call you a pharisee mm -hmm. and yeah yeah and also one thing that i always find ironic is when you get called a pharisee when you're just you're pointing something out and the people i've talked to i wasn't i wasn't being a jerk about it to them you know i, was, I really told and i told them many times like i love you and this is why i'm saying this i love you this is why i'm you know and just I, i'm like um i'm your brother I'm in christ i'm just i'm trying to lead you to truth and i really pointed out that i'm not doing this just to be a jerk uh, it was generally out of concern and it still is for those people who are in the the certain groups uh but one thing i always find funny is that when they call you a pharisee the Pharisees wouldn't be taught by Jesus. They wouldn't. And neither are the people that are calling you a Pharisee. And, like, one one instance, I remember they were like, well, I, I heard Calvary Chapel is a cult. The first thing I said is, please show me how. Yeah. That that And I, I, it was serious. I'm like, if you ha know something I don't know, and I'm in heretical Yeah, please church, show me. Show me, because yeah. I don't want to be a part of it. Right. Like, that's the last thing I want. And, you know, like, and that goes for any part Did of they? my... Nope. <laughs> they, they just said that that's just something I heard. And I'm like, that was it was a low blow is what it was. But um, It's like, this isn't something we heard. We're actually giving you scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that goes for any part of, like, my beliefs, um, traditions. I don't, I don't have a lot of traditions, but, like, anything that if it's not scriptural and I'm doing something that's, like, even if it's not, like, a huge heresy, damnable heresy or anything like that, but if it's against scripture... I want to know. I want right. to know because I need to change it. Because it doesn't matter how I feel or what I like doing or what traditions I have. If it doesn't line up with scripture, I got to mend me to that. Right. It's not the other way around. I don't get to put God in my box. God put himself in the box and God puts us in that box too to be molded by it. Exactly. And with the Holy Spirit. And like, because a lot of times, like, even when I mess up, royally mess up sin wise, 
Afterwards, I'm just feeling super convicted, super guilty. I'm like, I just feel like there's no way God could love me now. There's no way God could love me this time and forgive me this time. Well, if I'm going off my feelings, then yeah, God's not going to forgive me. I'm damned to hell. Great. See how dangerous when you start going off your feelings and you go the other way? So it's just like, so I know we just touched on Bethel writing. So just real quick, just so you guys know um, why we're calling them heretics. It's one that they, they rely very much on experience. Bill Johnson, the lead pastor, says that a, empty, a gospel without an experience is an empty gospel and the person isn't saved. When the Bible says that, you know, the scripture is profitable to salvation, it pierces to the division of bone and marrow. He also said that Jesus wasn't divine on earth. When you could just read Hebrews, like I um, quoted before, um, the father says this of his son, your throne of God is forever and ever. We know that Jesus was divine um, on earth. He was the God man. And then they also do um, this thing with their um, supernatural school of ministry where they, they try to teach students to to heal. It's not something that the Holy Spirit necessarily does, but it's giving them the, themselves the power to heal. And they actually go to graveyards, grave sites, and they lay on graves of dead saints. And it's called grave sucking. And they try to summon up or suck up the anointing of the dead saint to gather their healing power, their anointing, as if they had some kind of extra anointing that we didn't. First of all, if you're saved by the blood of Jesus and you've accepted that, you've repented, you put your faith in Christ, so you're anointed. We're all anointed. We all ha It's a level playing field of anointedness. Nobody's more anointed than any other. And also, grave sucking, I, I don't know what's... Necromancy. Ne is that, that not demonic? Hello. So like... That is and then exactly if you just visit Bethel Reading, you know, you see these convulsing in the spirit, which you don't see in scripture. You see laughing in the spirit, which you don't see in scripture. Drunk in the spirit. Drunk in the spirit, which you don't see in scripture. You see all this chaotic mess going on. And it's like, okay, so as in scripture, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that God is not an author of confusion. If you've been anywhere near that stuff, it's pretty confusing. What the heck is going on? So like right there is, is good biblical evidence that this is not holy spirit led mm -hmm. well you know you will see that in kundalini stuff and if no one knows what that is go look that up it's it's uh like a snake demon i think it's, it comes out of india or something like that it's yeah. it's creepy it's but it's exactly what happens and i i went to a bethel reading movement before i even really knew what they were it was in portland and um everyone like well not everyone but most people were doing that and uh, I'm going to wrap this round back to the uh, what's not the gospel is uh, they, they went through there. Um, I was there for one speaker and he was the only one that had a decent message. <laughs> the rest of it was very just ultra charismatic and just not good. Um, and just a disclaimer, um, I do believe there's believers that are in the Bethel Reading movement. I think mm -hmm. there's people that saved in there. Mm -hmm. I just don't think a majority is. And um, just from the people I talked to, they didn't even know what the gospel was. Yeah. And um, bringing it back is they had a moment of where they were going to go share the gospel. And so we, we go walking the streets and um, I'm just listening to them because I'm like, the whole day I'm like, this is really weird. This is like Pentecostal times a hundred on steroids. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm like, I'm legit freaked out. And I, I like, um, just a little bit into my past, I was into dark stuff before I stayed. Really demonic, satanic things. That's what I was into deeply, like occultic stuff. Um, that spiritual sensor that I have, uh, I'm really sensitive to those things. I know what's like really d demonic and stuff like that. When I was th there, I felt that. I, fe I felt that, ugh, this isn't good. Um, so anyways, we're, we're going out. You felt it? 
Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, Going back to your feelings, Jalo. Yeah, Careful. I guess so. But uh, yeah, you know when something dark, dark is around, you have the Holy Spirit. It's it's to contrast to it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we go out and they're discernment. Yeah. They we go out and they're sharing the gospel, but they're not sharing the real gospel. They're just going, God loves you so much, and oh, he does. Yeah, that gospel, and I, I I'll never forget this. I'm so great. There was this one person, and they were smoking weed, and uh, they go, they this woman goes up to him and says, God loves you. And he's like, that's great, and he and he goes away smoking his weed, and uh, she comes up to me, he's like, he just got saved. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And I'm like, no, no, that's, no, he didn't. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you didn't share the gospel. You just said God loves you and Jesus loves you. Like, that's not the gospel. And she was like so confused. And I started, I explained the gospel and I started explaining like the parable of the seeds and the sower. And I'm like, which one do you think he is? And she didn't have an answer. She's like, wow, that, that's really deep. Not that deep. And I'm like, (laughs) um, I mean, the repercussions of the gospel, extremely deep, but God made it simple enough for right anyone to understand and it was it, it was really saddening it was really scary I think um, people need to take it seriously when you're sharing the gospel because if you're giving people false hope you the blood is on your hands there yeah I firmly believe that if you're gonna share the gospel share it correctly and another thing that made me sad if someone legitimately accepted Christ through them doing that where's the discipleship where is it yeah where is it and it's like going back to what you said about, you know, being discipled. And you can't be a disciple in a church like that. And, you know, we were, me and Jayla were watching this uh, conference called Strange Fire. And it was going into the hyper-charismatic movement. Um, not just Bethel writing, but just all around. And it was John MacArthur made some pretty bold statements, which I'm not sure if he's, if I just interpreted it wrong. But he's basically saying, like, it comes to basically dividing God's people from not God's people. And if you're a part of this, then there's no way it could be. Like, I don't see how somebody who's saved could be a part of this and think it's right. You know, and I was like, and almost like he was implying that anybody who's a part of these hyper-charismatic movements can't be saved. Like, I first, I don't know if that's what he's saying, but if that was what he was saying, like, I personally don't agree with that. Um, simply because, like, I just think that, you know, like in Hebrews, like I brought again up earlier about growing on from milk to solid food. Like, and then Paul was writing to his audience, or not Paul, I keep calling him Paul. I, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but he's saying, like, you guys need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. And you need to be teachers and he's telling them like, you need to grow, you need to grow. And I mean, if people weren't getting sucked back into this kind of stuff, then there was no reason to write to them as believers and he wouldn't tell them to grow. He would tell them to get saved first. But, um, so that's what I think that that would be the issue of um, people who are saved, but then stuck in this kind of movement. Um, they, just, they just need solid food. And sometimes they might, they might just even need, need to be taught the milk again. So it's not a case of whether or not they're saved. They're just baby Christians. They're just stuck mm-hmm. in infancy, and they don't know any better. And that's why discipleship is so important. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think the real Christians will be brought out of there. I mean, look at Lindsay Davis. You know, had to shout out to her. Um, but yeah. uh, she got out of there. Um, she got kicked out of Bethel Reading for preaching the gospel. Yeah. And the, the one thing they said um, is, you know, how should we react to these people? And I think it's really true is we should be coming to them with the gospel because obviously they're not hearing it. They're not. And um, Justin Peters, he's a pastor, he said about this, he's a can a genuine Christian be in serious theological error? Yes, for a season, not indefinitely. If the Holy Spirit is strong enough to save you, he's also strong enough to move you out of a theological cult, which I believe that thoroughly. 
And if people are stuck in that, then it's just will for ignorance and they need to repent, um, essentially. And it's, um, when, you, when you bring people this kind of stuff, like you said, they always come back with feelings. They never come back with scripture, Mm-mm. ever. And um, no, I, I remember uh, they were like, oh, one of the conversations I had, they were very much like, well, I've seen this and all these signs and stuff like that. And I gave them the verse where Jesus said, well, they will come with signs and wonders, you know, <laughs> and that we're told that's going to happen. And yeah, it's, it's very, it's very scary when you start messing with, you know, say you're summoning the Holy Spirit to do all these things. It's scary when you temper with the glory of God. It's scary when you, you are misleading people. And right. pe- and then from that, they're misleading other people. And it starts this ripple effect. And, you know, and just, it's a very scary thing. And, and um, I believe it was Walter Martin. He said, you can have a lot right about Jesus and God and all that, but if you don't have like the key things like trinity and stuff like that and i'm not mm-hmm. saying the bethel movement denies the trinity or anything like that but uh and who they believe in modalism don't quote me on that i want to say they believe in modalism but i'm not sure um yeah i, I have never heard that so I, I i can't comment on that but if you have who jesus is wrong it doesn't matter what else you know yeah if you don't have the right jesus you cannot be saved um and I remember one thing that happened at the the conference, and it was like a very like me and my friend that was with, we just looked at each other in awe. We could not believe it was happening on on stage. The guy, well, he was one of the main Bethel people, not Bill Johnson, but one of the main people that I cannot remember his name right now. Um, he started speaking in, well, I won't call it tongues because it was gibberish because it's not biblical tongues. Um, right. Gibberish isn't biblical tongues, by the way. <laughs> Usually it's just speaking a language that you don't know. Yeah, it's a known language. Yeah. And the language of angels is hyperbole. So yep. we'll talk about that in another podcast, I'm <laughs> sure. But he starts speaking on tongues and, uh, and gibberish on stage. And I'm like, okay. Well, I, I just assume he's going to bring an interpreter. But he's just doing this, and the crowd is freaking out. They're just going crazy, and people are rolling around looking like they're having a seizure. And it's, it's just going crazy. And I'm like... Okay, and then he just walks off stage. And I'm like, okay, interpreter is going to come. Never. And that, I mean, right there, right there, that's enough to call them out. Yeah. And, you know, you, you see this, and then people come back to you, like when you're talking with people, if they don't come back with feelings, then they come back with anecdotal. Such as, I know someone, or I have an uncle or a friend who goes to Bethel Reading. Or likes Bethel Redding, and they're a solid believer. Vis-a-vis, ergo, Bethel Redding is good. <laughs> so it's like, so you're basing Bethel Redding's legitimacy off your friend or your family member. Like, can it not get more built in sand than that? Like, it's like yeah, because like, you know they have Bethel, you know Bethel Redding sympathizers. Like, oh yeah, I love this person, and they go to Bethel, therefore, and they they don't want to. Because it's, it's it's humbling. It's humbling to admit that you've been duped. Nobody wants to admit that they've been deceived. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to admit that they're wrong. And it, it it's essentially it also comes down to a pride. It's a pride mm-hmm. issue. People don't want to admit that they're wrong. Like nobody, like even in the smallest things, we don't like being wrong. I don't like being wrong. But it's just humbling yourself and being like, okay, like you've given me the scripture. Let me go back and look into this and see if what you're saying is right. 
Yeah, and uh, if we say something that's misrepresenting Bethel or anything like that, you are welcome to come tell us, whoever listens to this. And we are, we're willing to listen and talk to you about that. We're not going to shy away criticism. Right. Um, we encourage it. Um, we, you know, as Christians, we have to represent everyone fairly, um, and especially especially cults and stuff like that. Because if we don't, we're lying. And uh, the last thing we want to do is just give people a bad name in areas where it's not even wrong. It just, we just don't want to misrepresent someone. Right. So we are welcome, welcoming to criticism. And if we're wrong about something, please tell us. And please, you know, um, we'll give you an email at the end of this. Or right. And um, I mean, that's why we call our podcast "Skeptics Podcast" because we're encouraging you, the listeners, to be skeptical, even of everything we're saying, everything we've said to you in this podcast right now. Don't take it all for gospel. Go back, check those scriptures yourself. Look into Bethel Reading. Um, we've given you some scriptures. We can give go over them again at the end, so you can write them down. Go into look into those scriptures, read them, and see if what we're saying is right. And you know, test all things, even what we're saying. So we're encouraging that. Like we're not saying that we're infallible because we're fallible human beings too. But um, so yeah, just be skeptical and test all things, even what we're even what we're telling you on this podcast. Yeah, and um. Well, just one more thing to elaborate on the the feelings, and we'll move away from that finally. But it's a it's a big deal. Um, it comes into a lot a lot of what we're talking about. And uh, uh, I uh, I have a I have a interest in talking to Mormons. I, I love I love the Mormon people. I studied their religion, and I um, I love talking with them and evangelizing to them. Every single Mormon you talk to will tell you the same thing. How do you know it's true? Well, I prayed and I had a burning in my bosom. bosom. It's ex- every single one. And, you know, I... I get that from Mexican food. Yeah. Or, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you got it from Jesus, right? <laughs> Not yeah. Jesus. I got it from Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but a good, a good answer to that is, well, okay, well, I prayed about it and I felt it's true. The Muslim uh, who doesn't believe Jesus died on the cross prayed about it and felt his version of Jesus is true. The Jehovah's Witness prayed about it and they believe Jesus is Michael the Archangel. So if we all prayed about it and we all feel it, who's right? Or can we not base it off our feelings? We can't. We can't. And now, um, you know, and like I said, I love the Mormon community. Some of the nicest people in the world. And they outshine Christians on evangelism immensely. And it's really sad but because of, you know, the feeling that they had and um, false teachings that Joseph Smith started, millions of people are going to hell. Yeah. And a lot of it, they basically said, well, I had a feeling one day. They had a feeling. And with that, you know, even with people who are saved, um, and they base things off their feelings. Like, you know, I'll, I'll follow them on Facebook and they'll post things, um, political things, morality things, like, abortion issues saying like just because something is accepted by the majority doesn't make it right which is a good argument it's like okay i I see your argument there like abortion is um accepted it's legal but does it make does it make it right you know so why don't you apply that same rule theologically you know just because thousands of people attend a bethel conference and accept it as right doesn't make it right why don't you if you're applying that to morality why don't you apply that same logic to your theology? And um, 
one thing that's really sad is I was listening to a bad Christian podcast. If you guys don't know who they are, they're another podcast that I listened to, and they had on their interview a while back ago, um, Aaron Gillespie. If you guys don't know who he is, he was, or is, Under Oath's back together again, the drummer of Under Oath. They broke up about 10 years ago, and then Under Oath went off to do solo projects. He did a couple of worship albums, and I love loved his worship music. It got me through some of the toughest times of my life. But then um, he had a falling out with his wife, and they got divorced. And then he would, that podcast was basically interviewing him post-divorce, where he was at with God since then. And sum it up, he basically no longer believes the Bible to be the infallible word of God. He uh, doesn't believe in the gospel. He no longer identifies as a Christian. And he's basically to the point where, yeah, he does believe in, he does believe in a God, but he doesn't, he's just not sure who he or she is. And he's like, you know, I, I just felt like it was wrong. Like, why would God make me go through all this? If, um, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, why would God give me these feelings and not to use them as a barometer? And I was just like listening to it like, no, like you should not be using your feelings as a barometer. But he ended up losing faith. If even, I don't even think yet, even, he even admitted himself he never really had faith in the gospel to begin with. And he's like, you know what? Um, I met this Jewish man who identified as Jewish. I'm like, oh, you're really Jewish? He's like, no, but my parents were. So I just kind of um, identify with what they had. And he, he's just identifying with the tradition. And he's like, I think that's kind of what I was growing up. Like my parents always identified as Christian, so I just took on their heritage and never really put, now that I look back on it, I never really put faith into it myself. Like I'm very much paraphrasing him, but that's essentially what he said. So it's pretty much safe to assume that he was never really even saved to begin with because he was, his entire life wasn't built on that. It was built on feelings. And then when life came crumbling down, his, uh, his feelings changed and his faith changed because his faith wasn't built on rock, it was built on sand. So um, that's why it's important to have. And one last thing is it's important to understand what we mean by having theology right. And um, I lost my spot in my notes. I'm gonna let Caleb fill in real quick. Um, yeah, the one thing that I think we explained what the gospel isn't. I, I want to explain what the gospel is. And um, I basically, every podcast we do, we're going to incorporate the gospel. And um, just to throw this out there, if you're going to a church where they don't incorporate the gospel at every message, find a new church. Because um, the gospel isn't just for the unsaved. It's for the saved, too. Because we are to be reminded of what Jesus did and what we were saved from. So the gospel is <clears throat> that we are wretched, we are enemies of God. We sinned. And it doesn't matter, which is impossible for someone to just sin once in their life. But if you sin once, that's enough to send you to hell for all of eternity. God is so holy, so perfect, so just, that he cannot let you get away with that. Um, think of it as like a courtroom uh, where if you, uh, if you stole a car, you stand before the judge... I mean, sure, you can say you did all these nice things. You're like, oh, I helped an old lady across the street, and you know, I helped her carry in her groceries to her house. And he's like, I don't care. You just stole a car. Right. If he's a, he's a, if he's a just judge, you're going to prison. The same with God. You know, whether you've lied, disobeyed your parents, killed, had sex, whatever it is outside of marriage, um, most people have done all those things that right. live in the world, and they're storing up wrath. 
so he is a just judge and he, you rightly deserve hell you don't deserve anything else but that you know, a lot of people say you look you just deserve love and all this stuff no you deserve the wrath of god because you are you are waging war with him when you are sinning and god saved us from himself yeah essentially like when jesus came down he lived the perfect life um only god could handle the wrath of god and survive though but man can give substitution for man right, right. So when Jesus lived the perfect life, he was a spotless sacrifice for us. And uh, one thing I, I, I love is when he's in the garden and he's like, let this cup pass from me. Because he knows, like, it's, we think, oh, a lot of people think it's, like, it's just a whipping and the crucifixion of the Roman soldiers. Like, no, he enjoyed perfect union with the Father in heaven um, forever you know, before he came down here and he knew that was going to get cut off. Yeah. And that's what he was scared of. And f then he was going to face the full weight of all the sin and the wrath of God on the cross. It wasn't just the physical pain, which en enough, <laughs> enough, <laughs> <laughs> but now imagine the spiritual crushing. Yeah. The, the worst, like no one suffered worse than Jesus. It pleased the father to crush him. Yeah. And a lot of people think God can never do that, but no, it pleased him to do this. And, when he did that, and then he rose three days later, he, right then, offered salvation to people. And that means if you repent and you believe that Jesus has covered your sins and that you have union with him and that you will spend eternity with him for what he did, nothing you did in yourself, you are saved. And you yeah. get discipled and you um, you start learning his ways and start loving um, his commandments. And, uh, yeah, that, that's essentially the gospel. Um, yeah. Nothing we can do. You know, our, our best works, as Paul says, of filthy menstrual rags. Yep. That yeah. was, he, he just said filthy rags, but the terminology for rags back then was rags that women would use <laughs> for their menstrual cycles. So when you start thinking you're doing good and your good works are pleasing to God, just think of um, pads yeah. with wings. Yeah, don't think of that. That's disgusting. Um, edit that out. No, edit, <laughs> edit that out. Um, and yeah, so that you know, that's a great example of the gospel, or um, not example, but a presentation of the gospel, Caleb. And it's um, so yeah, you know, we got to have that right before we can have the deep things right. We got to have the milk, which is the gospel, before we can move on to solid food. And you know, people who are stuck in these heretical movements. Um, they're either not saved, or I would just say they're in, they're stuck in infancy, and they're they're stuck in, or they're just stuck in willful ignorance of sin, because, you know, they see a pastor or whatever, or, or there have been pastors who have been, um, forced to step down from their pastoral leadership from the elders as they should for heresy. And what does that pastor do? He goes off and he starts another church, and then a following goes with him, right? And then it shows that those followers aren't following Christ; they're following a man. I would say it's the same thing with people who are stuck in these these hyper charismatic movements like Bethel Reading is they're not choosing to heed scripture they're choosing to listen to Bethel's teachings instead that's idolatry <laughs> that's what it is so it's um you know and what I also want to make sure that you know spiritual maturity also it, it's not how much you know about God we, we, you know we've been talking a lot about theology and you know how theology matters and how it's growing and, and 
And spiritual maturity is not how much you know about God. It's about how you apply it, right? Because, you know, the Pharisees, they knew, they knew the scriptures back then. You know, they had to memorize the first five books of the, of the scriptures of the Old Testament um, by the time they were 13. Like, they knew the scriptures, but they didn't know how to apply it. They, they, they knew it in their mind, but they also didn't know it in your heart, which is why God says, love the, God, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. It, it, it's incorporating your knowledge and filtering it into your heart so it affects the way you live. So it, it's not just, you know, because you can know a lot of people who know a crap ton about the Bible. Like, they know um, just a lot of theology, per se, but they're still spiritually spiritually infants because they don't know how to apply it. They're just they're just knowledgeable. They, they're puffed up, but that's all they know. They don't they don't know anything. Like so, I also want want to make sure that spiritual maturity just doesn't equal knowledge. It equals application of that knowledge, right? I I, I used to love watching the History Channel whenever they did like a special on Jesus or the Bible and just watching how much stuff they got wrong, especially because they'd have all these scholars and biblical studies. And they had this they had this special on, on the life of Christ, and they had this lady who had like a master's or whatever in biblical studies. And she literally said this in front of the camera. She's like, Jesus came down to be the king of Israel, but he didn't. He died. He failed. He was crucified. How do you explain that? And I was like, did you read the book? <laughs> did you even read it? And so it just like, but it's also proves that one scripture that says, you know, the Bible is foolishness, foolishness to all those who don't believe. Like, they just don't get it. It's not that they're stupid. They just, they, they read it and they, they just don't get it because they don't have the Holy Spirit to help them discern the scriptures, um, which is what we get when we get saved, is the Holy Spirit helps us read and understand the Bible. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So that, that being said, you know, um, knowledge is good. But it's not everything, you know. It's how you apply it, and you know, um, you know, truth matters to God. You know, what we think about God will determine where we spend eternity. You know, that was a simple message we shared last week in VBS with our kids. Me and Jayla were involved in this VBS skit um, for a bunch of little kids, and um, one of the messages that that we gave was, you know, that was actually like one of the direct lines from the VBS skit was, "What you think about God will determine where you spend eternity," and it's so true. You know, and, you know, getting his character right matters. Getting what he said. Like, how would you feel if, like, like, imagine writing a letter to somebody with instructions on how to do a particular issue or something like that. And then they go off and they do not what you say. Like, they go off and they do completely opposite of what you say. And not only that, but they start saying, like, oh, yeah, like, Peter told me to do this and Peter told me to do that. And they start saying stuff that you didn't even say. Oh, and Peter is, like... Then they start attributing stuff to your character that's not even true. Like, oh, Peter, like, he slept around and he did this. And they're like, like, what? No, I didn't. And then, like, and then pretty soon the people just have this stuff about your character going on or out there. And they're telling other, other stuff about you that's not even true. Gossip, right? And it's just like, like okay, I, I wrote you in the letter what I wanted you to say, what I wanted you to do. And now you're off telling people stuff that's not even true, what I didn't even say. Like, how would you feel? Like, right? So like, that's what we're doing when we take God's word and we start attributing stuff to God that he didn't say. We start trying to experience stuff outside of scripture that God didn't say. And it just doesn't happen because, you know, this whole hyper-charismatic thing, it's just emotional manipulation. That's all it is, right? Like I, in the, um, we have to start wrapping this up here pretty soon because um, we're almost at our hour mark. But going back to the, the Strange Fire Conference, I thought this was a really great point that they brought up was, you know, you go to these conferences and they have the music and the, the mood lights and they're just emotionally, because you know, music is emotional. They, they play on your emotions and then they get you to get a feeling 
then they have the soft mute music playing, and then they, they get you to convulse or whatever they want you to do, right? It's a, a manipulation. So imagine that same scenario inside a regularly lit room, white lights, no stage lights, no bright stuff, no music. Not that music's bad. I mean, the Bible does say we can use music, but just to say just strip away all music and just have everybody pull out a hymnal and just everybody's going to start singing hymns, which are filled with doctrinal truth and praise and worship to God. And God and the Holy Spirit is among those people. You know, two or more are gathered together in my place. So do you think people are going to start convulsing in the spirit and running around and holy laughter in that scenario? Like, no, it doesn't happen, right? No, it so doesn't. It, it always happens in those scenarios where it's hyper music playing, show, performance, then emotions happen. It, mm. it just shows that it's emotional manipulation. Yeah, and I, w I would say uh, real quickly that I'm not basing it off my feelings, but when I sing a hymn that has tons of rich theology in it, I... I don't want to say I feel, but like I do, I like I better than I w do when I go to a church that puts on a light show. Like I, I feel like this is pleasing God more than some stage show, and, I, and I'm letting my endorphins start going because of right. all the lights and everything. I like you went to a concert last night, right? Yeah, and it's like the same high you get from a concert. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's, you know, and there's difference. There's like difference between I'm generally just praising god right now then i'm excited you know woo. Right. um there's a difference they just bring um, god's name into it and they make you make you think that your experience was the holy spirit when it wasn't mm -hmm. yeah the holy spirit isn't how you feel Our um the first thought you think isn't a word from god <laughs> isn't god thoughts hello right so you know, used to go to those conferences when i was in high school like acquire the fire which isn't a thing anymore and it would start down start off with this countdown with fireworks and it start off with this big boom and everybody's excited and then we go home and all of our feelings were off on the bus ride home. So, yes. I'm just tired now and want a cheeseburger. That's when everybody broke up with their um, three-day relationships, too. Yeah. I, I, was, I, bet I was at a church camp before I was saved, and that, that exact thing happened. They just were on this emotional high from there, and um, they definitely – I saw people breaking up with people. Well, anyways, guys, I think we're going to wrap this up because we only have two minutes before our time shuts off. So – um, I'm trying to keep this to an hour anyway. So just real quick, if you guys want to email us, um, skepticspodcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Again, that's skepticspodcast at gmail.com. And um, the verses we gave to you are like Romans 16, 17, 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10, which calls out the heretics by name, 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 18, which describes their teaching, um, calling out to avoid them, Ephesians 5, 11 through 14. And um, yeah, so those, those are the passages. Yeah. Um, also, we want to give a shout out to Coltish. Coltish, uh, yeah. Love those guys at Apology uh, Studios. Big inspiration for our podcast. Yeah. Jeff Durbin, you're the man. You're the man. <laughs> yeah, we love you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, yeah, and if anyone who's listening to this who isn't a believer and you have questions about the gospel, email us. I mean, you can find our Facebooks too, Peter Stone, Jayla Browning. Um, we are more than happy to meet up with you for coffee if you're local. and you On just us. Yeah. If you want to learn more about the gospel. All right, guys, be blessed. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you, you for listening. listening to this whole thing. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> if you made it, congratulations. You made it. All right. All right. God bless. See you next time. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.